Hello and welcome to the South Carolina Lead. I'm your host, Gavin Jackson, and this episode was recorded on May 28th, 2021 from Edisto Island. That's why it sounds a little roomy down here. And just so you know, some of the information in this podcast may have changed by the time you've heard it. This episode features a look at the controversial Heritage Act that was before the state Supreme Court this week. Charleston County settled with Jamal Sutherland's family this week. And Senator Lindsey Graham tells us why he doesn't think a January 6th commission matters. And it becomes crunch time for criminal justice reform and Senator Tim Scott. We preview hurricane season, which kicks off on Tuesday. And here's some good news about COVID immunity and what it's been like now two weeks since the mask mandate has been lifted in our state. Happy Memorial Day weekend, folks. Please remember to take part of this weekend to remember all those who gave the ultimate sacrifice for our country. You may not agree with a lot that goes on here, but many veterans gave their lives so you can complain about it. And if you have a complaint, we want to hear it. So give us a call at 803-563-7169. Leave us your name, where you're calling from, and the latest thing that's grinding your gears. Actually, we prefer good vibes only, but tell us what's happening in your world, 803-563-7169. And a programming note, we will not have a new episode for you on Tuesday. We are taking the weekend off too. Now for the latest in South Carolina. The spread of COVID-19 is ongoing, widespread, and not contained, according to data from the Department of Health and Environmental Control. There have been 9,726 total deaths, and currently there are 592,651 total cases being reported in all 46 counties as of May 28th at 4 p.m. Our current percent positive rate is 2.9%. Currently, 244 patients are hospitalized with COVID-19, 70 are in intensive care, and 40 are on ventilators. To date, 1.65 million eligible South Carolinians are fully vaccinated, or 36.4%. So what, are people waiting for us to give away money to get vaccinated or something, like in Ohio or other states? Well, you know what's better than a million dollars? Not dying from COVID, which all three vaccines prevent from happening. I mean, I wouldn't say no to a fresh meal, but uh, you're not going to die if you get vaccinated. So uh, do what the experts are saying and get that shot, folks little hot tip here from old GJ. On Tuesday, the state Supreme Court heard oral arguments involving the controversial Heritage Act, which is the law that controls whether buildings can be renamed or Confederate statues removed from public property. This was the law that made it difficult to remove the Confederate battle flag from statehouse grounds in 2015 because such action requires approval from two-thirds of lawmakers, rather than just a simple majority in both the House and Senate in order to get the bill to the governor. That two-thirds provision was key to the compromise that got the bill passed in 2000, but was also one of the points that lawyers for Jennifer Pinckney, the widow of Clemente Pinckney, argued was unconstitutional. Lawyers for the Senate President and House Speaker argued that there's nothing blocking the bodies from using a two-thirds threshold vote. Another argument centered around whether the case was ripe to involve the court. The case was prompted by the pending dedication of a memorial park to Pinckney, the pastor of Mother Emanuel Amy Church, who was killed along with eight other parishioners by the white supremacist Dylan Roof in June 2015. The concern is that once the memorial is finished, any changes to it wouldn't be possible, since such alterations and removals are barred by the Heritage Act. Even if part of the act is struck down or severed, parts of it can still remain on the books. We'll let you know when we hear the case verdict. 
Moving on, the Charleston County Council approved a settlement in the amount of $10 million with the family of Jamal Sutherland following his death while in custody at the Al Cannon Detention Center on January 5th. The Sutherland family put out a statement saying in part, quote, justice for Jamal will come in many forms. We are pleased to have negotiated a settlement with the government entities that provides the type of civil justice he deserves, but our work is not yet done. With God's help, we will continue the necessary conversations with local, state, and federal leaders to ensure that everyone affected by mental illness is treated with the same dignity and respect we all deserve and demand. Quote, the two officers involved in Sutherland's death have been fired, and Charleston County Sheriff Kristen Graziano has taken responsibility and says the department is assessing practices and resources and will begin working on changes that could improve our services and support our mission. Now let's get some national politics with a Senate update. And we start off with comments from Senator Tim Scott about the latest on the police reform bill compromise he's hashing out with Democratic Senator Cory Booker and Democratic Representative Karen Bass. I think it's June or bust, Scott said. He's the lead negotiator for Republicans. And that's what he told reporters on Wednesday when asked about a timeline. He continued by saying, I think we have three weeks in June to get this done. So it sounds like a pretty tight timeline as Scott has it. Now, CNN reports that Republicans on the Senate Judiciary Committee are balking at potential changes to qualified immunity, which protects police officers from civil suits. The George Floyd Justice and Policing Act calls for ending qualified immunity, but Scott has offered a compromise, which would shift responsibility for the lawsuits from the individual officer to police departments. We'll continue watching all of this play out in June. Continuing with our Senate update, Senator Lindsey Graham met with Gladys Sicknick, the mother of the late Capitol Police officer Brian Sicknick, as well as his girlfriend and other officers on Thursday, when Gladys was pushing senators to support the bipartisan independent January 6th commission. She did not change Senator Graham's mind, despite what he called a productive and emotional meeting. Graham said the commission will turn into a partisan food fight and notes that a Department of Justice investigation, ongoing Senate investigations, and the impeachment trial in January were sufficient. Graham said, quote, There is no reason the Senate cannot get to the truth through the existing investigations. The American people, the officers who protected the Capitol on January 6, and their families deserve it, quote. Only three Republican senators have signaled support for the commission. And just a reminder, more than 140 police officers were injured on January 6. Two later took their own lives, and Officer Sicknick died a day after the insurrection from a stroke. And when we're talking about investigations, here's an interesting note from a 2016 Atlanta Journal-Constitution article. A House committee probe into the 2012 Benghazi attack took two years and four months. And that was longer than congressional probes into 9-11, Watergate, the JFK assassination, and Pearl Harbor. Republicans launched the investigation into the attack in which four Americans died to target then-Secretary of State Hillary Clinton ahead of her 2016 presidential bid, with then-House Majority Leader Kevin McCarthy admitting the long investigation helped hurt her poll numbers. The final report found no evidence of wrongdoing by Clinton. And speaking of Senator Graham, he and others have been spending time crafting a policy agenda for former President Donald Trump. Politico says, with an eye toward winning back the House and Senate in the 2022 midterm elections, former President Donald Trump has begun crafting a policy agenda outlining a MAGA doctrine for the party. Former House Speaker Newt Gingrich, who knows about overtaking House majorities, is the lead architect, with former Trump Chief of Staff Mark Meadows also in the mix.
Okay, folks, hurricane season starts on Tuesday, and NOAA is predicting 13 to 20 named storms, 6 to 10 hurricanes, and 3 to 5 major hurricanes. Now, we don't expect the season to look like 2020, the most active season ever, but remember, it only takes one storm to knock your socks off, which is why it's time to update any evacuation plans, get your go kit ready, swap out those batteries and other supplies that you had in there last year, do it now so you don't have to think twice when things hit the fan. You know what I mean? We've done this before, folks. Here is Matthew Rosencrantz. He's the lead for the Hurricane Outlook at NOAA's Climate Prediction Center, and he's explaining how they determined this year's outlook. There are several factors that we took into consideration when developing the May outlook. Last year's busy season was a clear reflection of the ongoing high activity era, which began in 1995 and continues to be a factor in our outlook for 2021. Typically, high activity era conditions include warmer than average sea surface temperatures, weaker trade winds in the Atlantic hurricane main development region, as well as weaker vertical wind shear and an enhanced West African monsoon. The El Nino Southern Oscillation, otherwise known as ENSO, is another significant influence in the hurricane season. We are currently experiencing ENSO neutral conditions, which do not largely inhibit hurricane formation or suppress the features of the ongoing high activity era. Should La Nina return later in the hurricane season, which does have the potential to occur, it could reinforce those high activity era conditions and increase the likelihood that we could see seasonal activity near the upper ends of our predicted ranges. Based on our current data and analysis, we do not expect the 2021 hurricane season to be as active as 2020. However, we do update our Atlantic seasonal outlook in August, as we do each year before we move into the peak of the hurricane season during August, September, and October. Okay, so sounds pretty good so far, right? 60% chance in an above average season. Gotcha. Now, we will get an update in August when things really start rocking and rolling. But what is the average, you might say? Well, I know. That's 14 named storms, seven hurricanes, and three major hurricanes. So we're just slightly above that is what they're predicting. Now, this has also been revised upwards because there have been a lot of storms lately. Now, of course, climate change is a factor for hurricanes, as it is in everything in life. But it's not linked to storm frequency, rather to the intensity of storms, meaning a greater chance of stronger and more damaging storms. Sea level rise, of course, makes coastal flooding more likely due to storm surge. Here's Noah's Matthew Rosencrantz again talking about climate change. Increased sea surface temperatures, um, which can then increase the amount of storms that actually reach category four and five storms. Um, so reaching that upper echelon of storm strength and intensity. Um, it has also been linked to heavier precipitation from each storm. Um, and in some basins in the world, it's been linked to a further a northward shift in the, the um, place where the storms generally recurve or kind of um, turn from moving westward to moving eastward. So the, the increased rainfall is about 3%. Um, there is some research that says that can increase 10% in the next 100 years, but we won't have seen that for this year. These surface temperatures in the Atlantic are predicted to be about 0.38 degrees above normal. Last year, they were 0.56 degrees above normal. Now, you've heard some national people and you say, Gavin, great. This is all big and fancy, big time people. But tell me what South Carolinians are saying. And I'm here to say, I hear you. I see you. And Derek Becker, chief information officer at SCEMD, spoke with me on TWISC this week and explained how they make those decisions to issue critical evacuation orders, which you should heed. 
whenever the governor issues an evacuation for a hurricane, that's not a decision that's made lightly. Uh, it's the result of us talking with the experts at the National Hurricane Center, uh, speaking with our local forecasters at the National Weather Service offices that serve South Carolina, talking to our local first responders, and everybody collectively recommending to the governor that yes, the storm is serious enough that we need people to leave the coast. The last thing we want to do is to ask you to, to leave your home. Um, but if the storm's dangerous enough and if what we're seeing uh, in the predictions are serious enough, it's it's a last best option. So it's going to be very important for people to know if they live on the coast, to know what hurricane zone they live in uh, and be ready to act and have that evacuation plan ready to go. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because over the past few storms, we have uh, seen dozens of lives lost. We've seen thousands of homes damaged, uh, hundreds of millions of dollars in damage across the state, both inland and on the coast. Uh, what becomes the big threat in these situations? If, you, if you're sticking around, uh, what, what's the big concern for those folks who think they can ride it out uh, either or just, you know, wait to the very end at that point? Yeah, the biggest concern is always going to be storm surge and flooding. Um, uh, we say hide from wind, run from water. So well, the reasons we evacuate would be predicted storm surge uh, if it's going to be serious enough that people cannot survive it. You know, 10 feet, uh, Hugo, for example, in 1989 had uh, 21 feet of storm surge. So that's, that's not survivable for many people, um, for anybody that I know for that matter. But um, when it comes to uh, a high wind storm, you know, maybe you don't evacuate. Um, maybe the safest place is your home. If you live in a good, sturdy house that has, that's been uh, retrofitted to withstand that kind of wind. Um, but the main thing is if you live on the coastline and you hear that evacuation warning go off, now's the time to leave. Always great advice from our folks at the SC Emergency Management Division. Now you can find out more at hurricane.sc. And of course, again, take this time to prepare now. And should disaster strike, SCETV and SC Public Radio will be there for you throughout the duration, providing you with critical news and updates to keep you safe. And, um, ahoy, matey. You better believe the CMG CMA Marco Polo called on the Port of Charleston on Friday, the biggest container ship ever to come ashore at the Wanda Welch Terminal. The 1,300-foot-long vessel turned out onlookers and dignitaries alike including Governor Henry McMaster and 1st Congressional District Representative Nancy Mace, to name a few. Okay, let's start our medical section off with some good news about immunity from this damn virus. Can I say damn? I'm going to say it. The New York Times reports that two studies have found long-lasting protection from at least a year to possibly a lifetime of immunity from the coronavirus once you get antibodies. One study in the journal Nature found that cells that retain a memory of the virus persist in bone marrow and may churn out antibodies when needed. Another on the bio-research site BioRxiv found that certain cells continue to mature and strengthen for at least 12 months after the initial infection. And if you tell me you don't need the vaccine because you've already had the virus like Senator Rand Paul, well, I have some science for you folks. These studies suggest that most people who have recovered from COVID-19 and were later immunized won't need booster shots, unlike those who were never infected but did get vaccinated. So keep that in your pocket. You might need to get a booster shot later on. Now for some state news for you. We got an encouraging update from DHEC this week, 
by Public Health Director Dr. Brandon Traxler, who said this about what hospitalizations are looking like now thanks to the vaccines. We have seen a decrease in COVID-19 hospitalizations in the state since the beginning of the vaccination campaign, uh, going back to mid-December. Um, however, I, I do want to say that drawing direct associations between um, the vaccine campaigns and rollout of vaccines um, and decreases in cases or hospitalizations or deaths is not a simple um, you know, direct comparison. Um, you know, there's there's so much more to consider as to, um, you know, how making, you know, how to make these inferences and how this impact might be felt. So um, one thing, you know, I do I do want to say is the vaccine has absolutely decreased the burden of disease. There is excellent evidence of this. An example is in our, our nursing home and long term care facility populations, which is basically as close to a controlled environment as we can get, given that those residents um, have limited exposure really only to the visitors outside or, you know, or beyond their own, uh, their own facility. So it's been more than two weeks since the CDC announced that if you're fully vaccinated, that you don't have to socially distance or wear masks in most indoor and outdoor situations. So what are our numbers saying when it comes to cases? Traxer explains. So far, we are not seeing um, an uptick in cases. We continue to do our, our surveillance just as diligently as ever. I mean, we'll continue to do so, but we're we're not, you know, right now seeing an increase in cases. Uh, and as you know, the timing, you know, therefore you would wonder if it was related. So it's a good sign. Yes, a good sign indeed. That does portend well for us folks. Keep it up. Now, while there are three vaccines that are highly effective and saving thousands of lives, there have been a few breakthrough cases. You've heard us talk about this before. This happens because none of the vaccines are perfect. You got a better vaccine? I didn't think, okay, I didn't think so. But according to the CDC, out of 101 million people fully vaccinated as of April 30th, there were a total of, do you have a guess how many people might, any guess? There were a total of 10,262 breakthrough infections, which AT tells me is 0.01%. 995 patients were known to be hospitalized and 160 patients died. Now, the CDC admits that this data is likely an undercount since asymptomatic folks wouldn't know if they got infected. However, that's still remarkably low, folks. Welcome to our wind down section, our little break from the news. We talk about life during the pandemic and want to hear your stories as well. So tell us at 803-563-7169. No story is too small or too big to share on the lead. We're all friends here. And the it can be a little too you. big. Three minutes only. Yeah, three minutes. Yeah, I mean, don't. <laughs> three minutes. Don't go it too long. It can be a little too big, but that's not up to us. Write we it still down. Care. Practice it. Call us. Leave a message. Now, mm, AT, I'm, I'm told some people have done this already. The Hopper's happy the hopper the hopper's happy sure it's happy so there are a few more in there but that isn't that that shouldn't be a deterrent if no. you guys want to call we still need you to call because otherwise you're going to get a lot more fast and furious talk also Ooh. i watched i watched rampage with dwayne the rock johnson in it and i want to talk about it so mm. if you guys want to keep me from speaking about that yes, please, please keep call calling in. <laughs> Save your part gavin now. from that conversation <laughs> so your, gavin do your part <laughs> folks get to this caller yes hey everyone uh this is nate uh calling in from rock hill south carolina um i 
finally heeded the call and uh, after several times of hearing that the hopper was empty, decided to uh, give, a, give a call in based off of appreciation and support for the show. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a new listener, uh, probably started listening within the last five or six months. Uh, I heard a shout on my local uh, NPR station, um, WFAE, and um, thought I'd give it a listen. So you, you might be hearing chainsaws in the background. Uh, that's because I'm an arborist, but not an arborist by trade. I actually, uh, prior to the pandemic, was a geospatial technician, uh, which is just kind of a fancy term for mapping out stuff in certain areas and uh, handling data. data. Uh, but I unfortunately lost my job with several, several other colleagues um, due to the lack of workflow in the pipeline. And so how the coronavirus has affected myself uh, is the fact that I'm working a new job right now. And so that's been, it's been good. Uh, I've been learning a new skill and um, I've just been enjoying being outside. So that's, that's what's new with me. My wife and I, uh, we've been watching uh, Malcolm in the Middle. That's kind of been something that we have enjoyed watching together, just some lighthearted television. Uh, that's one of our favorite things to do in the evening, uh, as well as just taking a, taking a walk around uh, Winthrop Lake, uh, which is right where we, the, our neck of the woods. So uh, I appreciate you guys, and thank you for the, uh, the honest reporting. Yeah, have a great rest of your week. Bye. Well, thanks for calling Nate from Rock Thrill. Rock Thank Jill. you for heeding the call. We appreciate you, <laughs> Nate. Uh, interesting to hear about the career change. Hate that you had to get laid off. Uh, I thought GIS was a very in-demand uh, job because I have two cousins actually in Virginia that do similar work. I'm just happy such smart people listen to our podcast. Yeah, I mean, great pivot too. And now we have an arborist. Oh, yeah. You know, we have a horticulturist. We have an arborist. I mean, we got so many people out there. In our we little... got. I mean, we got a. We got an arborist, also geospatial planner, whatever. You know, I'm mapper. a. I'm a disbarred maritime lawyer, depending yeah, Gavin, like, on where he, I am. Gavin's great at bird law and maritime <laughs> law. <laughs> Uh, but Malcolm in the Middle, what an unexpected drop yes, right there. I love, I, that. I love that pull. That Hal from Malcolm in the Middle is the only role of Brian Cranston's that I recognize anyway. Life uh, Breaking is Bad is Life is unfair. Oh, so good. I, I haven't heard that The so mother long. was married to uh, the guy from West Wing. Uh, what's his name? It's not Tony. Martin Sheen? No, no. It was, um, Rob Lowe. No. Well, then let's I'll let's look, let's yeah. move on. <laughs> this is bad. <laughs> but it was a weird pair up anyway. But do like okay, Nate. Anyway. Uh, we love that he's a new listener. Thanks for calling, Nate. Yes, we appreciate thank that. Thank you for calling. Thank you for doing your your listener duty of calling and filling the hopper. Everyone's got to do it once. You got to do it once. That's, that's how you get the air fryer. Anyway, <laughs> it is Friday. <laughs> it is Friday. Friday, Friday and so Saturday. we yeah. get we get intern Josh's news. Josh, how's it going? Hello. Yes. I'm good, guys. How are you? Oh. Love it. Oh, so yes. happy. So I'm good to hear your voice. we're all making this work remote today. I appreciate everyone yes. accommodating me and my needs on this uh, Memorial Day weekend. <laughs> yeah, we got to say, Josh, can you ex can you explain to the listeners what Gavin looks like right now? <laughs> he looks like he's in some sort of makeshift fort, almost yes. like a really terrible tiki hut. Could say, yes. could, some would say a uh, recording cocoon. <laughs> yeah, my recording cabana. Yeah, so anyway, Josh, Josh is in Columbia. Uh, I'm in I'm in Edison. Uh, AT, you're in Charleston, so I, we're all I'm over. I'm in Spoleto. We're all on FaceTime right now. We're making this work. We're doing this for y'all. But Josh, uh, the news. What is your Let's hit hot it. Let's take hit it. What you got? of the week? All right. So I hope you guys know your reptile law. Ooh. Uh, I failed lizard that in law. school, we're actually. Talking, are we lizard talking lizard law? law? Oh, I hate lizard, lizard oh, law. Lizard law. Okay. Okay. Well, um, in Sumter County, 
Officers found some deadly snakes in the home of a suspected black market reptile dealer. Hit the oh, snake alert. Hit the snake yeah. alert, AT. Oh, I can hit a snake <laughs> alert. Snake totally. <laughs> snake alert. I repeat, snake alert. I got this from the state newspaper, and um, after they arrested the man, they left the snakes there. And this was in a quiet, clean-cut suburban neighborhood. <laughs> yeah, uh, sounds DNR safe. wasn't even allowed to retrieve them and figure out what to do next. What? Um, so I had to figure out why, and it's because it's actually legal to buy, sell, and own venomous reptiles in <sighs> South Carolina. Oh, yeah. You know, and, yeah, there's no state law banning non-native actually, venomous snakes. yeah. Uh, you know what? I think the Senate actually just passed a bill about that. I'm looking this up right now, but... The House passed it, and then the Senate sat on it Ugh, for the next like legislative session. Senate. And classic now here we are, Senate. folks. This is what happens when, I mean, talk to your lawmakers. This is what happens. Snakes are ruling, they're ruling something right now. <laughs> I, I heard that uh, you can open carry venomous snakes in the state if with training, though. You know? Don't right. Cut that right. part, please. <laughs> no, that's saying it. <laughs> well, here's some of the snakes real quick. We yeah, have, let's hear them. Uh, they found some king cobras. Nightmare. Which are native from India and Nightmare. Southeast Asia, and I think I heard their their venom can kill an elephant. Indiana Jones would hate this. Yeah, and the other two were bush vipers. Uh, I didn't know what they looked like, so I looked them up, and they look like they have um, spikes covering all over their heads oh. and bodies. Very cool. Yeah, and rhino vipers, <laughs> and these have. <laughs> I don't like these the sound have, of any of these. Are they vipers that kill rhinos or do they are they vipers that look like rhinos? They look like they have protrusions coming out of their nose. <sighs> rhinos so they look skin. like rhinos, yeah. That's what I was saying. If this was a snake that could pierce rhino skin we'd and take down for. a rhino, we'd be done I for. Mean, we'd be in trouble. Yeah. yeah. Okay. There Josh? were a th- th- couple more things real Yo, quick. Yeah. There don't were me. they did find turtles, dozens of turtles Cooters. and a small <laughs> pig in the bathtub. Oh my. <laughs> Of course, as one would do. <laughs> Was the pig food for these uh, animals? Oh God, probably well, a matter of time, right? Probably, yeah. They were they were probably breeding that pig for eventual. This sounds time. like a really bad CBS show well, in the works. I think it's also legal <laughs> to have a kangaroo in the state. I mean, you know, this place. By my um, marsupial law. <laughs> <laughs> There's only one marsupial. Oh, it is marsupial. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that not, law not, not regularly practiced. Okay, so what you're telling me is that. Um, we got some reptiles on the loose in Sumter County. <laughs> yeah, the snake alert is well warranted. Yeah, I'm glad that was out, blaring folks. earlier. Well, uh, Josh, thank you for that update. We're all on alert now. I appreciate that. We need that information. And I want to just share really quickly <laughs> some adult, I guess I said this was good news. You said this was bad news. I AT. Our listeners will news, decide, yes. and we want them to weigh yes. in. Someone weigh in. But um, it's official uh, after, I guess... Um, You're going to dox your age right here? Yeah, I'm going to do it. I'm going to go ahead and say I was 13. So what? How many? That's, 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 20, a, that's 21. 21. 21 years yeah, on the family plan, plan that he, I Gavin, lobbied for when I was 13. I said, Dad, you and Mom are separated. You need to keep in touch with us. Let's get these cool cell phones, these Nokia <laughs> brick cell phones. <laughs> and sure enough, I had the whole presentation. He took the bait. We got a phone number. Oh, it's the best thing ever. You know, you got a Nokia. You didn't text anybody. You barely since called then, anybody. Though, you've been you, on there the was family no plan. Yeah, there have been Blackberries and iPhones ever since. But I decided, hey, it's time to move on. So I got off the family plan. You're going to spread your wings. Uh, yeah, you know, and then fly away. My brother Colin, my twin brother Colin jumped off uh, a while ago. And then now just my older brother, Nick, who is probably like the most successful of all of us, is still on it. Just sucking from the teeth there like... 
just waiting to put his kids on Disgusting. there. They're only four years old, but I'm like, he's going to he's going to throw them on that plan. But. This this <laughs> snake in the grass, more snake stuff. But this I feel strong, and you say I I, I should have just stayed on longer and I, kept it going. I I think that's adult bad news to have to pay your own <laughs> bills ever. So, I know. It's I not, mean, I mean, milk that, dude. But I will say, there's a lot of different uh, wireless phone plans out there. I'm on Visible Wireless, which which is just piggybacking on um, Verizon's network. So it's the same as Verizon's network. It's maybe not as like. Top notch is rising. Never, never heard of it. Well, Kevin Bacon is. Uh, I think this he's the one who's repping it. This is sad for you. This no. is sad for you. It's unlimited talk, text, and data for forty bucks a month, and it's the On same the as Verizon. You're talking about the Bacon plan. Yeah, I don't care. Kevin Bacon from Philly, go birds. You know what? <laughs> I don't need to have like a name brand plan just to be like, oh, I have I have AT and T, and I pay seventy dollars a month. No fools, I'm paying forty dollars a month, and I'm fine with it. I that. pay Kevin Bacon directly, <laughs> and. <laughs> And if I get you more people don't. to join my pod, I can pay that, $25 the, a month. So. Does that make you a single degree away from Kevin Bacon? Oh, I've Bacon? met Kevin Bacon, so I'm already oh, a single uh, degree, folks. We text often. He looks anyway, really, really skinny in real life. He it's also, he definitely, I know he listens because he talks yeah, about it all the time. well, I can talk about him like that. But. He listens to the show. But anyway, Gavin, anyway, say goodbye we've, to the we've, folks. We've, have, we've have, have, a good, have a good Memorial Day. Let us know what you're doing. Yes. Tell us if it's good or bad that Gavin is leaving. Let us know what kind of snakes you have. I mean, 21 years. What a good run. But yes. It, could, it can drink. <laughs> but yeah, let us know. And if you're out about enjoying this weekend, uh, give us a shout. 803-563-7169. We'd love to hear from you guys. Uh, and also, maybe leave us a little review on iTunes. Five stars never hurt anybody. And you can also stay up to date with the latest news on SCETV.org and SouthCarolinaPublicRadio.org. And don't forget to support your local newspapers. For the South Carolina lead, I'm Gavin Jackson. Be well, South Carolina. Okay, here we are. One, two, three, four, five, six. Welcome to the South Carolina lead. I'm just looking at my levels. Just looking at my levels here. Sounds good. I got you. Yeah. One, two, three, four, five, six. Let me read as fast as possible.